What to do? We're back. Welcome. Before we get into episode number five, we are going to just dig a little bit into the mailbag and get through a couple of questions. As posted on Instagram this last week, we are going to do a mailbag episode pretty quick. So we're trying to get the bag full. Please email us or DM us any questions. They don't have to be basketball related. They can be fun. They can be silly. We love them all. Corbs, welcome, man. How are you? Doing great, man. I'm just good. excited that this podcast has been really getting some good feedback and it's getting a bit more popular, right? So I'm just excited for this. How are you doing, Mitch? Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of work, but it's definitely fun work. I got interviewed yesterday with my uh, some colleagues because, as I mentioned in the first pod we did, that it's uh, all our kids have to do a passion project and this was mine. And so got to answer some questions about why I did it and and just bring me back to the whole reason behind this thing. So it's it's fun and it, and it's exciting and you and I are both learning. We're hooked up with headsets now and getting better microphones and trying <laughs> trying different software and just sorting through it all. So yeah, it's really cool. It's cool to to start a new adventure and we really do appreciate all the learner uh, the listeners out there and and again, honestly send us any feedback you have if you feel like there's something we can work on, if you feel like there's something that you're enjoying, we w- will appreciate it all. So yeah, I'm, I'm good. Surviving the COVID days, allergies are killing me. Yep. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> they're bad. getting worse as I get older. And uh, it looks like everybody in our province, and I think our province has done a really good job of just being disciplined and sticking this thing out. And uh, we're going in the right direction. And if we keep doing what we're doing, you know, we won't be able to go back to total normal lives, but we can expand the bubble a little bit. and. Um, I'll be taking applications if you want to get in the Mitchell bubble. Corbs, you're on the border, but some of you out there, you, you know, you need to do some some good things for us if you want to be hanging with us in the next three, four months. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I'm all good. We have a little place down south in Birch Bay and we're going to miss that. But at the end of the day, you reflect back and it really, truly is first world problems. Uh, there's so many other things we could worry about. My wife and I are both collecting a paycheck. We have a roof over our head, groceries in the cabinet, and there's so many other things that we could be worrying about. So I'm sitting in my uh, upstairs spare room recording a podcast with a former player who's now a coach of our program. It could be a lot worse, right? So long, an- long answer is uh, things are okay. So should we jump oh. into the mailbag? Also want to give a quick shout out to uh, Clarice de Guzman for the fire uh, logo that she designed for us. Absolutely. Cl- Clarice, also a grad of St. Thomas More, super talented. It was actually really tough. She sent us a bunch of different mocks and trying to figure out which one worked. And we hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to get some merch out there. We're going to get some t-shirts and I think they'll look really good. So yeah, thank you so much. What a talent you are. Check, check her stuff out and uh, give her a follow on Instagram and we really, really, really appreciate her time and, and going through that to try to make us look better than we are because God knows we need it. <laughs> <laughs> Mailbag. Okay, let's get going. Shout out oh. STMC Choir. Wow. <laughs> I'll add that part out. Wow. All right, so the first question we have is from some gentleman by... The Instagram handle, The Running Beer Nerd, a.k.a. Sean Mitchell, a.k.a. my brother. Not sure why he broke it down this detailed, but he is an engineer and he does have a handle, Running Beer Nerd. So that should sort of 
let you figure it out. It says mailbag question, favorite hoops memory from when you were a kid under 12. I don't know, Corb, do you want to answer this one first or you want me to take it? I I got a quick answer. It's okay. uh I used to live near Bernie Mountain before it was built, kind of at the near the uh, lower parking lot. And back in the day when I used to live there, I lived there till 2005. And I remember in my elementary school days at St. Michael's, my dad and my brother and I would go up there before the school was even populated with kids and they were doing construction, but they got the hoops up first and they had a field. And uh, we would go up there and play one-on-one uh, with my dad, one-on-one with my brother. My mom would come up. It was walking distance, about a five-minute walk from our house, and we'd just walk up. We'd have some lemonade, some fire Filipino food, and we spend hours up there just shooting hoops. Um, hell yeah, baby. Yeah, I mean, heck fine. yeah. <laughs> it is. It was one of my favorite childhood memories, just spending time with my dad, and you know, my dad is one of my heroes, and that's one of my most treasured memories. Cool. Thanks for that. For me... Oh, people remember all these things when they're little. Maybe I was just too busy running around the neighborhood being an absolute moron so that all my memories are blurred into one big getting into trouble and being grounded. We grew up, uh, my dad used to be the store manager at Woodward's. I was born in Penticton. And then we actually moved down to Victoria and he opened or worked at their store at Woodward's. For those that don't know, Woodward's is the bay now. It was kind of the first department store that you oh. could get everything. You could get groceries, clothes, everything. Yeah. And he was the store manager, a huge department store, which essentially what like Walmart and all those places are now. And we, not to name drop, my brother was the same age as Steve Nash and they lived literally a block down the road. My dad was really into hoops and our elementary school, Willows Elementary, was the one that we all went to. And he started a little hoops league there. So it was the Willows Elementary Hoop League. and I would go and I would play with the older kids and, you know, Steve was there. He loved soccer, so he was always playing soccer, but he was there and and Marty. And so that was one of the cool memories that I remember from being young and just having basketball be a part of me. And then just my dad being much like you, Corbs, you know, the model for me and my, and the rest of our family. Um, And he was a tough dad, you know, he was a hard dad and I do appreciate what, what he did for us because he taught us a lot about, you know, being disciplined and respecting your elders and, you know, just a lot of good stuff. But he was always willing to provide as much as he could. So in Victoria, he put a hoop up for us. And then when we moved over to Coquitlam, we were the only flat driveway in the neighborhood. And he put up a hoop there as well, which kind of drew the neighborhood in. And next thing you know, we had kids in, that were five, six years older than me playing on our hoop. Um, so it really helped me in terms of being exposed to older kids and playing ball. But just uh, my dad always going out of his way to provide opportunities. So much like you, just, you know, there wasn't necessarily one sort of thing, but just a bunch of things when you're young that, you know, start to mold you into who you are. So thanks for the question, Sean, aka the homie. Uh, <laughs> second question, uh, good one, actually. I feel like we could talk a lot about this. It's a bit of a sore spot for me, and I'm not going to try to offend anyone, but it's just reality. Uh, second question is from, a fine young man at our school who was uh, on our basketball program, in our basketball program for five years, um, and is a graduating senior this year, Aaron LaGuerta. Uh, Aaron's now a young coach. He helps out with the Burnaby Eagles and is doing a lot of things. And I think he, if he continues with it, could end up being a really good coach. He sees the game and understands it and is a mature young man. So thanks for the question, buddy. 
says, I feel U-Sports still has a lot of potential to grow and amass a bigger following and audience. How could U-Sport slash the PacWest be better promoted to get kids attached to the game and collegiate game? Sorry, to the university and collegiate game. For me, my biggest frustration is when I do get the time, I haven't been in a while, unfortunately, but just to get out to go to watch, say, UBC play and just how, you know, they they have a good crowd, but how the crowd could just be so much better. One, I think there just needs to be more buy-in. At the university level, I mean, Ontario or even Halifax, right, with our previous uh, guest, Randy, right, playing at St. of X or St. Mary's and those schools out there where it's just a smaller opportunity. When I was at Brandon, it was the same thing. There just were smaller numbers, so there wasn't as much to do. And, you know, we would, we would be on the local news every day. Our games were live on TV. Our gym was packed every single night. You know, they served alcohol. It was more of like a professional atmosphere than anything else. Um, and I know UBC has worked really, really hard, and Coach Hansen and their staff have worked hard in the UBC Athletics Department in all sports. Uh, you know, I just think one, students don't make it a priority. They don't care enough. Uh, you know, when you're down south, it's just a passion. It's who you are. It's like you literally hate rival school, schools and you can't wait for those games. And it blows me away when, you know, UVic, UBC play each other, whether it's in Victoria or whether it's here and the gym isn't just packed with people going nuts and enjoying because the quality of basketball, even in, I played in 2000, 2001 quality of basketball is so much better it's such a more entertaining game and it's just so fast-paced and just great to watch and i don't understand why you know the students don't make it more of a priority obviously at the pack west level it's different because those are colleges and very few of those colleges other than i think maybe viu if i'm correct um even have a campus in terms of where you know kids can bill it and stay there right they don't, they don't live on campus it's more of a commuting school right. so you go you go to class at douglas you go to class at langara you go to cap and then you go home so the attachment isn't there so if unless you know someone on the team or you just love basketball you're probably not going to go as well um so i think that's the gap between those two i think the the, the opportunity for universities to excel is there i think ontario and other provinces are doing a better job than us and I wish I'd see more support. Now, don't I can't speak, but maybe you go to UMBC and maybe the crowd is good because it is a smaller community. I'm speaking just for the lower mainland that, you know, I'd like to see more people out at, at games like UBC. And then I think it just comes down to money. I think kids still in the back of their minds, they watch TV, they see highlights, they see the exposure that Division One athletes get, and they think and feel that that's the best avenue for them when realistically, sometimes the best thing is to go and play five years in Canada, right? Look at the guys that have played for Carleton, had the opportunity to win four or five championships while they're there. Um, and you think about some of the guys, you know, the guys like the Jaden Coheys, the Grant Shepherds that are at UBC, there's way more, but just those examples of guys that have gone down south and end up coming back anyway. So I just think that kids that are maybe at that next tier uh, overlook what U sports can offer them to begin with a great education plus a great basketball experience. And I think once you make the nationals, you know, the experience is great. The crowd is great. You know, it's televised, although this year it wasn't. Um, and that's elite. But until you get there, just wish that 
universities and schools and athletic departments would be able to find a way to get more money. It just, that's what it comes down to, right? Your recruiting budget, your travel budget, it all just comes down to how much money do you have? And uh, unfortunately, a lot of these coaches are underpaid. Um, like we talked about with Randy as well, you know, wanting to move to, you know, what, what would be considered for, for him or myself or someone else in obscure place to make $70,000 and then have to fundraise and ask alumni to give back just so your program can survive. It's just not fair. You know, these, these coaches and not just basketball, they should be getting paid six figures in Canada and they should be living a good live, uh, you know, a good life. They're away from their family. They're away from their friends. They put a whole bunch of time in and it's a, it's a tough gig and you really have to love the game and cherish the game to, to be involved in it. So that's a long answer, but at the end of the day, it really just comes down to money and people supporting it. And unfortunately, until we do that, it's not going to take that next sort of jump. I'd also personally like to see the PacWest just be a Juco style league. I think you should get you know, three years to play two or four years to play three. And then if you're done, you're done or you move on and you play U sport. Uh, you know, it's almost like a, it's like a men's league right now. Some of these guys are old and um, there's no kind of rules behind that about who you can bring in and nobody's breaking the rules or anything. And and now, you know, you look at via, you wanted a couple of years ago and they had a guy from Australia and two Americans, right? They're three of their best five players. So are we getting the young players in our province better, right? It should be, you know, it should be something that's for our players. And hey, there's no limits. There's no boundaries. I'm not saying anybody's doing anything wrong. That's what's, what's there. But I think the PacWest should be a stepping stone to U sport. And if you're not ready to move on, then your career is done. And that's just the way it is. So those are my personal thoughts. But once again, just like most things, it comes down to money. And a lot of the programs that succeed at the U sport level are you know financially okay so i don't know what you think about that corbs i know you're kind of learning that part of the, the game and who we're interviewing tonight has a little bit of thought on that as well but w- what do you think or just your observations i don't again like like you said i don't know a whole lot in terms of this space but i yeah i think one of the big things is that all those schools like especially in the pack quest douglas and you know langara they're all commuter schools, right? So you can't develop like a sense of community. Like if you're in the dorm room, like, oh, what, what do you want to do tonight? Oh, there's a basketball game. Let's go head over there, right? There's none of that available. We all just want to go home. And I'm not sure. Is it a Canadian thing? Because even I know I have some, I know I have American friends who played baseball in the States. They were at commuter schools uh, at JUCOs and stuff, but they would still have like full crowds at their stadium. So I, what do you think, Mitch? Is that, I, I don't want to say America versus Canada, but is it? A Canadian thing where we're just kind of apathetic about our own U sports. I, I don't know. Uh, absolutely, I think you're bang on when you think about Sean Shook just talking about his experience, right? Playing just high school down south, and you know he played obviously a long time ago, but just the cheerleaders and you know just the pride that goes into it and a mob of people following you around, and it just it's just not made a priority, and it's tough because the the talent is so good, and guys still have great careers, and I think. Uh, one thing that's helped is social media, right? Like everybody has an Instagram page. All the athletics have um, ways to have their athletes seen more and highlighted. Um, but, you know, you're giving me a hard time the other day saying like, you got to show the kids that you coach, you know, some of your highlights. And I'm like, well, what highlights? You know what I mean? I, I, was, fortunate <laughs> enough to, I was fortunate enough to get some of the VHS literally 
moved over to, you know, like a CD and then downloaded onto my laptop, but it's still not great quality. And it's like, those things just didn't even exist before. So now it's just stories, right? So I think definitely is a Canadian thing and it's tough. And if we're being honest with ourselves, like people are all salty about the Grizzlies going and I'm just, I'm at the top of that pack. I used to love going to the games, but did we, did we really support it? We didn't support it. Yeah. The product wasn't great. Yeah. We weren't, we didn't have a winning team, but what did we do to really make the NBA say, Hey, these, this team should stay, this franchise should stay in Vancouver, right? Maybe there were some underlying things. Maybe Stu Jackson had something. I don't know about all that. All I know is the games that I went to, there were usually a lot of empty seats. And if it wasn't, it's because there were a lot of free tickets that were handed out. So, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, I think of the coaches in our communities, the Kevin Hansons, right? The Beauchamps, the Steve Hansen at SFU, Cassidy, Joe, you know, all the people, Eberhardt, the guys that are just grinding, you know, you, you coach in the Pac West and you still have to have a full-time job, right? Think about that. Right. So you're supposed to recruit, you're supposed to raise money, you're supposed to convince a bunch of kids that think that they're better than the league already and that they should be, you know, playing U sport right out of high school. And then you're supposed to every second weekend get on the road on a Thursday night and hop on a bus because you're saving money. You're not flying anywhere. You know, if you're taking a road trip, go for two nights, bare bone it, come back, you know, and still work a full-time job and convince your employer that you can miss the Friday of work, right? So it's just, the model's tough. I give so much props to those coaches in the Pac West who just are willing to do it because they want to create a program and they want their kids to have a great experience and young men to have a great experience and women. It's just an unfair and unfortunate situation. Uh, I'm kind of ranting and I kind of told you I would because I just wish it was just better. You know, the experience that I felt the year I played at Brandon and we're in the national final, we're playing St. Avex and there's like 9,000 people in an arena and it's on TSN live. Like what an amazing experience, right? <laughs> like it just, you can't put that right. into words. You're playing the home, you're playing the home province, one of the, you know, the home team. Just, it was bananas. And it doesn't have to be at that level for every single game. But, you know, my friend James Drew and the coach at Ottawa, when they play Carlton, you know, it's 5,000 people. It's packed. Like there's rivalries. The OUA does a great job of supporting and putting money into their sports. And there's so many different elements, but 100%, you're correct. Canada, it's kind of, we're kind of a bandwagon country, if we're just being honest. And that's kind of why I yeah. refuse to cheer for the Blue Jays. Go Cubs. <sighs> Um, and I love the, and I, and I love the Canucks and I get that sport allows you to be part of a bandwagon. And I get that when things get better, it's great, but really at the root of it, how many people out there just truly love these teams and how many people would you ask are like, how much do you love the UVic Vikes, right? Like, where's the pride in that? Where's the people wearing their gear and just being proud of going to UVic or are they all just waiting to get their degree and get the heck out of there? So Totally agree, right? Some of your buddies down there playing Juco ball and they've got great crowds, like Juco baseball, right? Like, but yeah, we can't. In the middle of like, yeah. Yeah. War Memorial can't get a thousand people out for a huge rivalry game. Like, one of the best programs in Canada West for the last 15, 20 years. And they've got to do everything they can to draw people out on Friday and Saturday night. You know, they have a beer garden. There's like, there's many options for young students. Like, there's just, 
frustrating, really frustrating because I think the product is great. I think the coaches are great. And I think everybody within athletics is doing what they can, but there's just a lack of support financially and it's hard and it's exhausting. It's got to be exhausting for the people that are in those roles. So much love and respect to those people. Yeah. There you go. I I told you I'd ramble. I'm passionate about it. I, you know, and, and if I'm being honest, in the back of my mind, I've thought about my coaching career and do I want to move on? And there's been opportunities where I could have applied for positions and I'm not saying I would have got them, but I never took the leap. And I just, a lot of that, I get paid well to do what I do. I have a master's degree. I teach PE and I coach high school basketball. It allows me to be with my family. It allows me to have a life outside of, of coaching and coaching season is busy when we're on. Um, and, and we want to get the program, you know, this to the point where it doesn't really end, but there's a balance, but some of these guys and what they have to sacrifice, I don't think maybe their own athletes don't even realize it, you know, maybe their own guys don't even realize just what their coaches are giving up to try and make something great happen. So Aaron, I hope that was a good enough answer for you. If it, if it wasn't, then send us another email and we can definitely mailbag (laughs) that. And I'd love to hear what other people think. Um, if you're listening to this podcast right now, send us a message on Instagram and say, Hey, I agree. Or, Hey, Mitchell, you're full of crap and think about this. So those are all the things that I want to hear. They help me grow. They help Corbin grow. And, and it shows us that people are listening in. So in the end of the day, it's just love. And I want to see us be on the radar and be who we could be, you know, across the nation in terms of athletics and what we could do in terms of supporting. And when you think about it, like basketball is probably one of the more supported sports on the men's and women's side, right? So yep. imagine if you're like a cross country runner or you're a wrestler or kind well, of lacrosse, right? It's an underground sport that maybe doesn't get any exposure. So a lot of athletes out there just doing it because they love it, which is inspirational, but wish we would, could find a way to support them a little more. There you There's go. No rant. I can't wait for that mailbag episode. Uh, people might that might be our longest podcast of the year. <laughs> and if you feel <laughs> if you feel like it was a rant, then it's true because it's just coming from a place of passion and care, and that's all. And we love the mailbag. And let's move on to our our guest. What what do you think about that, Corbs? Let's uh, give a shout out to our sponsors before we move on and uh, wrap up the mailbag. <laughs> Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, Good Lad Clothing. Good Lad Clothing is located at 221 Esplanade in Lower Lonsdale in North Vancouver, 30 seconds from the C bus. Good Lad Clothing prides itself in being the only three-in-one shop in Vancouver where you can get clothing, coffee or beer, and a cut. Everything is ethically sourced, and what better time to support Canadian-made goods than right now during COVID-19. From the locally roasted beans to Toronto's own crown shaving, which is one of my favorites, to also one of my favorites, a Vancouver company named Raining Champ. So many great options there at Goodlad. The owner, Shane Meyer, will offer you a private shopping experience and will also give you a free beer or coffee while you tour the store and check out what you need. While you're there, if you do happen to mention a Hoops Journey podcast or that you know me, Aaron Mitchell, we'll also offer you a 25% off discount anything store-wide. If you are unable to make it to the store, please go online to goodladclothing.com or shopthefoldgroup.com to have clothes delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping worldwide. Thank you so much to our sponsors and let's get back to our show. 
Yes, welcome back to A Hoops Journey. We are excited to record and talk to you about episode number five. Tonight we have a guest who is a former player of mine, has a great story about just hard work and determination, um, what it's like to be a point guard under me. Hopefully he doesn't roast me too bad, but I know he's going to have some great stories and great insight. He was also a teammate of Corbin. Uh, you know, our producer on the podcast, and we are excited to bring Denzel LaGuerta on to a hoops journey. Denz, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And I saw that this kind of popped up in the group chat there. I definitely ecstatic and kind of waiting for my my turn if you guys were going to invite me. So very excited to be here. <laughs> Oh, wow. The guy just expected to be on the podcast. The corpse. I, I definitely did. Uh, all right. We'll jump right into it and talk a little bit about your basketball journey. But, you know, you were uh, a point guard for our program for two years, uh, you know, at the senior level with me and then moved on and played some post-secondary and, and then uh, have ended up coming back and coaching as well. So we're excited to get into all of that. Tell us a little bit about, you know, yeah, and so looking at your resume, one of the things that stands out is, you know, you've moved here or your family was here as an immigrant family and you didn't have you don't have any family here and just wondering how basketball started to become part of your life and where the influence came from whether it was your dad or a coach or something like that and tell us a little bit about what got hooked got you hooked into the game. Well, it all started I guess like it's kind of fitting too now that the last dance is out, but uh, in the Philippines, my dad was a huge Michael Jordan fan. And so I always kind of grew up around the Bulls household. I'd be watching the Bulls games um, with my grandma. And I would always be like, hey, mom, I'll, I'll be training I'll be training for the, the Bulls and you'll be whoever the Bulls were beating at that point. And I guess it was my dad who put the, put the basketball in my hands and uh, also introduced me to the game and just fell in love with the artistry of it. And um, yeah, like as you said, like moving here, it was kind of the the place where I found community like right away at an early age. Like we didn't really have much in terms of uh, in terms of like what we could do. We didn't really know many people and didn't realize the the opportunities that that basketball can kind of provide you. And we found the Burnaby Eagles here, just a, a local local team that it was like a hundred dollars for a season for like an eighth one season. Um, and then that's where I kind of like I, I met my closest friends and just my dad always kind of like pushed me like when we because we had nothing else to do uh, to, to to be the best that I could be and um, kind of find my joy through sport there. And uh, he would kind of like ever since I fell, I fell in love with it, just starting at a young, a young age of like 10 years old. And it was kind of like our time together to he would always just kind of take me to the park and kind of forced my hand at it and uh yeah it was an it was very is very like liberating experience because like like you said it was it's it something that didn't really um it was a sport that didn't discriminate because i know that co- coming here and moving here it was something that was something that i didn't realize that i was very insecure about until later on in my life but i was very insecure about socioeconomic status and yeah it was a game that i found that just didn't discriminate um like no matter what what race you were, what what socioeconomic status you were, you were going to be accepted if you were if you were good at it, because you needed to you needed to be able to work together to to be good and also like regardless like sure you can you can be of greater size and greater athleticism, but 
you kind of see it through um, time and time again that there's guys who are unathletic um, that no matter how much work you put in, uh, it's going to it's gonna pay off, you know, and I love that aspect of it, those aspects of it. For sure. And one of the things you touched on, which is huge, is when I get the opportunity to coach a basketball camp is like, what's the greatest thing about basketball? And the kids always stare back. Like you literally need, I mean, most people in Canada where we are fortunate enough to have a pair of shoes, mm-hmm. scrape together a few bucks, you get a ball and then you just need a hoop, right? So it's not a, mm-hmm. it's not a sport where you need a lot of pads or you need other people to really work on your game. You can just find that place in your community and, and be a part of it. So that's cool. And then, you know, you, you get hooked into hoops and then you end up at, at St. Thomas Moore. And then kind mm-hmm. of interesting, right? Like, is, is basketball your main sport right by then? Or are you, are you kind of still doing other things? Did you even play any other sports? Or was that pretty yeah. much all you were? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, like, again, you want, you want to talk about kind of like pivotal moments in your life. And I know it was a little bit early to, to know, but looking back at it, it was kind of crazy because when I went to the Burnaby Eagles, that's where I met like some of my closest friends and some influential people. And that's where actually where I met. Uh, Andrew Morris, um, who you also, we ended up being teammates throughout STM. Um, both guys that we were supposed to essentially be going to Burn Creek and South, but, um, or Burnaby South, but I met Bill McCarthy there as well as Liam McCarthy, who, who was a teammate of Burnaby Eagles and ended up going to STM. And he was the, he was the guy to say like, Hey, have you ever heard of STM? And of course I was like, no, like, no idea, man. <laughs> Just moved here like two two years ago, and uh, yeah. So and he kind of introduced me to STM, and uh, yeah, it was the only sport that I really knew. And of course, like STM being a big football school, you kind of um, get pressured to play. <laughs> and so yeah, basketball was all I knew, but uh, also played football in grade eight there. And yeah, so I, I would say that minutes. for about twelve minutes. That's right. <laughs> we can get into that. Um, yeah, I mean, like I shattered my ankle in grade eight um which was also another pivotal point i guess in, in my career um you kind of make jokes about it because who did my surgery dr nick or yeah, um, dr nick that thing dr. still nick. looks like ground beef to this day <laughs> yeah i still like i still can't fully flex my my foot man so tell people all the time i'd be running a four three if it wasn't for it but no in all seriousness Mm -hmm. i missed (laughs) i missed about like two years because of did you miss your whole grade nine season two uh yeah yeah i did miss my Mm -hmm. grade nine season so like grade eight i had my surgery in september and then came back at like january or february and played like lower mainlands and provincials like hobbling on one leg. Um, and then grade nine, I, I remember going up to Zimmerman and be like, dude, like I gotta get surgery to get <laughs> something's wrong with my foot. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah, I missed my whole grade nine season. And then it wasn't until, uh, yeah, that was the summer that you were coaching team BC. Yeah. And then I, I just made it in time for a provincial team that you 15 year. Okay. So how, how do you, how do you go from, grade eight and nine essentially having no basketball season and still being Mm -hmm. motivated enough to like continue like what most kids you know the the hard part about having grade eight basketball at the high school level is that you know a lot of schools are nine to twelve grade eight it's like you don't want to cut kids off so I think as a program for us we're almost on the side Mm -hmm. of we take maybe even too many kids because we we want kids to get hooked in and to to have them be a part of it 
because there's so many different things that can happen in terms of development and everything like that. But that gets taken away from you because of injury. How do you get the motivation to continue? And what what is it that's inspiring you at that point? Because most people would just be like, nah, I'll figure it out. I don't know if this mm-hmm. is for me. You know, my ankle's messed and whatever. Mm-hmm. So how does that happen? Um, I think a couple of factors. Uh, the first one that I can think of is, I think it's something to be said about the STM program there. I know that like going into like my grade eight, when I made the decision to come to STM and seeing the chancellor and seeing kind of the foundation that the guys before me have laid. And I hadn't even known who you were at that point, but seeing, I, I guess, that chancellor game and like seeing how you like yelled at the guys and like cared um, that much. And then having been coached by my coach McCormick and, and at that point too, like my grade nine year, uh, Zimmerman was our coach. Yeah, like I, I kind of just thought like, man, these guys are my family and like these guys did so much for me. Like I, I want to carry on that kind of like tradition and represent STM well enough, um, which I think, yeah, again, it's something to be said about the program. And then um, the, other, the other part is just that I love basketball and like I, I realized that like I set a goal in an early age that I wanted to get like an athletic or an academic scholarship and like I want to see, I wanted to see how far I could, this could go. So. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. wanted to compete as hard as I could, and yeah, and and Team BC at that point was uh, was the place to be. So yeah, okay, so you know you make the provincial team, and you're going into let's just jump to you're going into your grade eleven year, and you're yeah. starting to survey and look around and see who's who's ahead of you, who's behind you, where you are in terms of, mm-hmm. of your game. Um, but one thing that's happening between grade nine ten is everyone's growing. Right. And you're, yeah. <laughs> you're, a, you're a small dude. Um, yeah. so what is the mentality behind that? Like how does, and the, you know, much like, uh, we're talking with Randy, just, he, you know, he's a kind of a shorter, stockier guy. Like how, mm-hmm. you know, he, you're even shorter than him, mm-hmm. you know? And one of the things I would always admired about coaching you is that you just had that, you know, dog in you and you like wouldn't back mm-hmm. down. Right. So Mm-hmm. do you start to just f- fuel that fire or do you get pissed off because people are you know overlooking you what is the motivation that is like okay in two years i need someone to offer me mm-hmm. something so i can play some post-secondary basketball a couple of those things that you you definitely mentioned um first thing i mean I'm, i i was always small so <laughs> maybe you call it small man syndrome or whatever but <laughs> um i'd like to also think that i was also just like <laughs> just naturally uh, competitive and it's kind of like the chip that you that you and I'm sure Corbin as he's laughing can also attest to this that like you have something to prove like with your size and people kind of tend to overlook you and there are other ways that you that you have to be that you have to find a way to kind of like get noticed and impact the game Um, I know it's just a matter of like I have to I have to find a way to to make an impact on the court and I, I know that I can do it I know that I work harder than these guys. I, I knew, like I had I knew that I had to be in way better condition than everybody. I, I had to I had to at least like put up as many shots as I could. And then I had to I had to be noticed like in all those tryouts, man, like I I would be diving on the loose balls, um, full core pressing guys, like trying to give it trying to give it my all. And yeah, like I mean, like we came from a, a double A school, so we were easily overlooked. Uh, so I guess it was always like every time you kind of stepped on the floor and every time that you, that you put in work that, that you kind of just had that innate taking into all those, taking into account all those things that, uh, kind of had that innate, like 
competitive edge just because of all those things. Thanks for that answer. So tell tell us a little about your grade 11 year. Like what what's that like? You know, we obviously finished fourth in the province. Our kind of key guys were younger. You know, for me as a coach, those years are blur, right? We're talking about 2011 and I just try to piece all that together is hard. So from a playing yeah. standpoint, how did it go? What is it that you're learning and, and what are you looking forward to going into your senior year? Man, it, like it was kind of, again, like the theme and the story that we had, I guess all throughout my high school career up to that point is that we were, is that we were over, overlooked and we, we always kind of felt that way. I'm sure that if there was anything that you remembered from that season, it's probably that. Yeah, it's like nobody expected us to to be there. And I guess the one thing that I, I learned too um, is that I knew that I could carry on my senior year is just kind of like that mental fortitude that you instilled in us. Um, it, was, it was kind of crazy, man. Like, I, I don't know how Corbs feels about this, but I remember kind of like struggling to read you uh, that grade 11 year just because I think, and we can maybe get into like coaching philosophies here. Something that I try to emulate from you is, uh, you always had a way of like of testing guys. You you would see you kind of like challenge yeah. their insecurities a little bit and see how they would respond to it. And I think it was maybe like until like later in that season that like I realized like okay maybe he's just like testing me or like challenge me in this sense. Um, and that's what I knew that I could carry toward my senior year. And like a lot of the guys had that year under their belt and. We were kind of just like gelling up to that point, and I knew like going into our senior season that we had a we had a special team together. I don't know how did you feel about that, Corbs? <laughs> I think I said I'm not sure if I said in the beginning of our intro pod, but uh, I thought we had a really special group. I know uh, grade 11 is a bit of a, a tough year for me, perhaps. Um, <laughs> other practice player, <laughs> but um, yeah, I would. I remember you only mentioned it like 15 times on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good thing we didn't release that audio of that pod we did uh, before we did an intro pod but i remember like little things mitch would challenge you on you know your shot selection uh you know den's your shot selection or some of your decision making he would i remember just kind of watching just him going at like at us right making mm-hmm. not being okay with being good right he wanted us he wanted you to be great i remember that and I had so much respect for you because you just take it. You didn't say anything back to him. You didn't talk back to him. You just, you took it, right? And mm-hmm. and I think, Mitch, you know, there are some things, you know, you probably couldn't say it anymore, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I remember just him like really pushing you to your absolute probably mental limits and physical limits. For sure. Well, us, I mean, you know, us too, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, even just like the little things to you, like, you come up to him and like say, okay, like I'm a little bit hurt or like I have like another, another responsibility that I have to do. And you knew that he was going to say something back and you were scared to say it to him, but it wasn't that like he was, it wasn't that he was pissed that you were like missing practice or whatever. You want to kind of challenge your character and see if you're a man enough to, to, to speak up for yourself. You know, I don't know. I don't know if you felt that, but. Hey guys, I'm right here. I'm right. I'm still here. Hey, you want me to log off and you guys can just talk to the people out there or what? Well, I mean, you can, you can chime um, in whenever, but um, I guess like to bring it back to the initial question is, is that like, I, I knew that by the way that the guys responded um, 
in our grade 11 year to, to those little like mind games or like those little, not even mind games necessarily, those little challenges that you would always have. Um, I knew that you would be special and um, we, we were able to kind of like build that cohesion. And uh, it was, it was like a testament to, I guess the character development that you, that you brought upon us. And so, yeah, that was a long winded answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I think, but I think you, you know, you get it. You, you guys both get it and it's not about i mean we're trying to win games and we're trying to build a program and I, you know i'm seeing you guys as a group and know that we can accomplish great things for a couple of years because we have a solid group of guys and we want to peak and be the best that we can but also just i mean i mean your guys's group was pretty rare would would we have seven eight guys play some form of post-secondary mm-hmm. athletics you know somewhere in there right yeah, which yeah. isn't always the case right yeah. so you've got a lot of times you have we you know we'll have one or two football players and maybe one basketball guy right but mm-hmm. just trying to also let people know that that's not really how life works right like you can't just go to mom right. and dad and have them tell me that practice you can't make practice or you're going to be late or being accountable and and making yourself speak up and all the little mm-hmm. things that happen in life. And now, you know, you're working for KPMG and you're probably seeing that quite often, right? Mm-hmm. And having be yes. able to have social skills and be organized. And and I think we're missing the boat as high school coaches if we don't try to develop some of those things within our kids as well, because it's literally not about wins and losses. We never won a provincial title. We finished yeah. fourth and second. But like, look at mm-hmm. the memories that we have and the group that you guys have. You still are in mm-hmm. contact and I'm on the WhatsApp group chat, which is sometimes still weird and i regret some <laughs> things i say on there but um it's cool uh before we jump to grade 12 like i'm just looking you know at your bio and i see dell uh Kormaniski, i see jeff Gurley, <laughs> i see sean shook i see john acob right like i see eberhart talk to me about you know the other than myself because i don't want this podcast to be about me but like what right. what did you learn from those coaches what were the you know, and provincial team is so unique too, because um, as coaches, we're dealing with kids that aren't ours, right? And, and you know, it's just, it's the summer and you get some fun moments and you go to Vegas and you're in buses and vans. And, but what mm-hmm. were some of the things that you were learning along the way? Or were you taking those things in at all? Were you soaking it in? Or what was that like? And it doesn't matter who you start with or whatever, just fire yeah. away. Cause that's a, that's a pretty quality list of coaches. And it, those are a quality yeah. list of people that, you know, I would have liked to have been coached by. I was coached by Yeeb as yes. well. He coached me on the U17 team, which is mm-hmm. one, how old he is, and two, how long he's been committed <laughs> to the game, right? But um, yeah, talk talk a little bit about those gentlemen and what they meant to you. I forgot to actually put on that list that a uh, pretty integral part of your career, too, is uh, I was coached by Coach Chambers and the Center for Performance. Man, it was, it was kind of unbelievable to see the parallels that you two had um, and just from him, I had him for three years with CP, and it's just phenomenal, the, the leadership attributes that he tried to instill in everybody, and how he always kind of tied it back to the game, and you two had the un- uncanny ability to do that. Yeah, I, 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 I love Coach Chambers. He was also very tough. But yeah, kind of drove home the, always tied it back to life somehow, and I, and I love that. With regard to playing for the provincial team, speaking to like the guys that that you played against and like again those experiences that you had it, the one thing that I learned from from those guys um and competing on those summers is just the the ability and the importance of competition um it was cool like 
going like day in and day out, just practicing against the best of the best and seeing where kind of you are in the measuring stick with regard to like the, the, the better players in the province. Um, and that was kind of a source of motivation that you had knowing full well that you wanted to be a part of that group within the next year again. And again, like I, I always felt like I was a little bit overlooked. So it was just another added source of motivation. But yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. Kind of another thing that I took from that is the, is the, the basketball community is just a tight knit one. And uh, with regard to the coaches, Coach Gurley, man, I don't know if you're going to have him on here, but he's, he's a phenomenal oh, guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is. You want to talk about like positive reinforcement. I've had like through our SCM program, there, there's the, the guys that go about it in a way of like challenging you, kind of building you up to break you down a little bit, um, break you, build you up, whatever, whatever the saying is. But like Coach Gurley's philosophy was just like, it's almost like he did nothing wrong. You know, like he, he would be able to phrase things in a way where you made a mistake. Yes. But um, he was able to kind of like instill with you, but it's okay. You know, like keep going. And uh, it's I remember okay, him, son. Yeah. <laughs> Holy Toledo. Oh, that was, <laughs> you know, that was his go-to. Maybe rubbing that beard. But um, yeah, even if you take a bad shot, he's like, it's okay. It's okay. And you kind of just be scratching your head. But I, it was kind of that positive philosophy that they really like from him well yeah you think about him too is like he coached the u15 red team so like and no yeah. offense to anybody on that team right connor morgan was mm-hmm. on that team who ended up being yes. an all canadian but like yes he was willing to give up his summer to coach the kids that didn't yeah. make the first team right like yeah. for numerous summers he did that he coached the u15 red for team sure. right and probably yeah. intentionally he probably intentionally mm-hmm. did that, but I think that says a lot about who he is as a person. Yeah, and Cam Smythe was also on that team. Oh, wow. Was, yeah, he ended up playing five years at Carlton, but yeah. and um, It wouldn't have mattered. We I, still lost by 55 to Ontario. In the yeah. Final, <laughs> yeah we exactly. had, but, <laughs> sorry if we cut you that year. I was on the coaching yeah, staff. I know, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I guess like one of, you want to talk about lessons learned from that summer, man. Like, I think that was. I mean, obviously, like outside of our program, but we we'll talk about like volunteerism and like that guy is involved in the game and like truly does it for the passion of like giving back to, to basketball. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal what this guy does. Like he works like late during the night and then opens the gym up for five hours for the guys. Yeah. And then Everhart, like great basketball mind, like super tough, uh, played super fast. And I think with regard to like how I want to coach offenses and stuff, like, that guy just knows, man. Yeah, very good coach. Also very tough. Um, I guess there's kind of a theme here as to where you kind of learned under from. And then Shook, I mean, I ended up having him. Uh, yeah, I had him at Quest. He was, uh, he was awesome. <laughs> so grade 12 year, right? Like not really knowing what, what to expect. We go to the GW Graham tournament and we win it. And then it's kind of like, whoa, we're in the mix this year. Mm-hmm. And then what is the outlook like? Regardless of what what I'm saying or what the coaching staff is saying, what are the guys thinking? Like, how are they believing? Um, are they enjoying the experience? How, how's the season go, you know, all the way up to, to, to the provincials? It was good because I think we kind of went into that season again as well. Like still kind of feeling like we were overlooked. I don't, I don't remember how we were ranked, but we weren't satisfied with it just because we're like, man, we were like top four the, the year before, but for some reason we got overlooked and yeah, we won that tournament early. 
I don't know if that was it was good, it was good for our confidence. It was good for our younger guys because one of our great elevens ended up winning a MVP, I believe that that tournament. But it was good. It was it was kind of like a realization because one of I think my peers as a as a captain uh, going into that season is you kind of you hear that what is your deepest fear quote all the time. Um, I thought that was kind of like somewhat applicable to us because I, I was like, okay, we know that we're good and we meant to the provincials came forth. So we, we, we were there, but like, do we actually believe it? Um, and I think that was kind of the, the tournament that reinforced that. I mean, I agree, I agree with that. I know I just kind of jumping in here, but even before the season started, like how often were we at, I think we felt like we could do something and we felt mm-hmm. like we were overlooked. So I, how, how often I know Mitch, you're doing your masters during this time. You just open up the gym for us and we'd be there what four right. or five times a week. Oh, definitely every weekend. Yeah, I would yeah. be there Friday yeah. for class because we hosted the <laughs> class at STM and we'd go from five to eight and I'd have to kick you guys out and then we would start class oh, about yeah. nine and then you guys would all show yeah. up and then I'd have to kick you guys out again or yeah, I didn't always kick great. you out. <clears throat> yeah, that was a, <laughs> but, uh, man, those were those were the golden days. I remember like at our at our group chats or whatever, like the, the word would go around. It's like, hey, Mitch is going to be here for his math. I forgot that you did your masters there, but um, yeah, and we we'd say, hey, bring your lunch because <laughs> you know, like, we'll, oh yeah, be like, hey, like, we'll, one of us will go to do a Seven Eleven run. We'll just come back with some hot dogs or something like that. <laughs> then we'd eat, and then we'd go to the weight room, and then we'd go play again or something like that. Right? At least yeah. you're getting some nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and obviously we had a great year. You know, the, the lower mainlands, we had a little bit of a hiccup, but that was fine. You know, we went in kind of with a chip on our shoulder and beat a few teams along the way, and then we ended up making the final and losing in the final. And I know for you guys, that's still a salty spot for you. But, you know, with someone who has bigger goals in mind, after the dust settles, you know, losing in the provincial final and probably, you know, in the last month of our season, that was one of the worst games that we played, right? We just didn't play well, and that's just the way it goes. Um, but during the provincial tournament, we had some amazing games. So that's just the mm-hmm. game of basketball it comes and goes like that. It's not that we weren't prepared or we didn't have the right group. We just didn't have that that game on that night. And so the dust settles and you're thinking, okay, now what? Like, is are people recruiting you? Are you just sitting there? Like, you know, obviously... I've seen you put thousands of shots up. I've seen you work on your handle. Your dad's rebounding for you. One of the <laughs> hardest working guys I've ever had the opportunity to coach. And you're kind of sitting there like, what? I don't know if you remember, but like, it's kind of crazy too, because you and I had a, had a couple talks and I would, I would go to your, uh, to your office even before the season. Um, and you want to talk about, I guess, like your, your intro pod about how people struggle to talk about themselves. Uh, I like, I suffered, I realized that how I suffered from like what they call in psych imposter syndrome. It's like you, you feel like you achieve these things, but you never really know you're, whether you're good enough or not. And I remember like you sat me down and talked and I was like, yo, am I, am I able to play in the next level? <laughs> and like mm-hmm. you had to tell me, it's like, yeah, man, like you can definitely play in the next level. You just kind of have to believe it. And yeah. And I, I guess like, for that the end of that senior season i just it like that did a lot for me i but yeah i wasn't i wasn't highly recruited uh i had the mm-hmm. pack west schools um after me like kaplan era quest and douglas but like and it, it gets kind of glorified right the, the the fact that 
well, CIS is kind of the be all end all. And so I, I remember prepping, like I, I chopped up film and I wrote like a, a template letter to say like, Hey, this is Denzel. Like I want to, I'm interested in going to insert school here and playing for the inserts team name here and studying mm-hmm. insert whatever program here. And I sent that to like every CIS school in, uh, in the nation. And I remember just being absolutely devastated just because like only a couple schools were like really hit back and you would kind of talk for like a couple, couple maybe emails back and forth, but then you wouldn't hear anything yeah. back. But yeah, it, it was ultimately ended up at Backwest. And I remember you, we also had, kind of had a discussion and you were like, you're kind of talking about the importance. It's like, well, do you want to go and be a 12th man at a CIS school or do you actually want to enjoy your experience and maybe try it out for two years and be at a program where you actually play and enjoy your experience? And that's, I think that's something that is kind of gets overlooked, especially now. Also, how you see on social media, the kids, oh, signed to this school, this D1 school, this CIS school. I think that the PacWest kind of gets overlooked a little bit and it can be beneficial to a lot of players. For sure. And then, you you know, you coach comes around, West University is super young, young program. And the crazy part is like tuition is so wild there. How much was your scholarship even worth again? It like, sounds so awesome, but it was really like when you do the math, what was it? Was it like a hundred yeah, or something? My scholarship was essentially for 26500 a year, but like mm-hmm. tuition was 28000 and then you have to pay, you have to pay for room and board. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Crazy. Yeah. It, it was kind of insane because I remember like there was a school you're like, well, Shook's a good guy. Like you, you had him for Team BC and stuff. I was like, man, but like I want to go CIS. And I kind of left him hanging a little bit. And um, and there were also, I don't know if you remember, they were they were one one in fifteen the year yeah, before. Yeah, you mentioned that. that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they were. I think they finished with. They were, Eddie Corby said he finished with like eight guys, and yeah, it was just not good, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. It was it was absolutely awful, but um. I mean, like, one thing that I also kind of learned um, just from our team is you kind of, like, kind of just have to go with your gut feeling, and then you kind of have to evaluate the the guys and see who who's a good, who seems like a good character and judge them for the character. And Shook was always kind of, like, honest with me um, throughout mm-hmm. the whole process. Um, and, like, it's still... A very good scholarship considering you only have to pay what like fifteen hundred dollars in tuition and then maybe another four thousand five thousand for living and also like tie it back to to the goals that i set when i was younger i want i wanted to have an academic and athletic scholarship and yeah quest was able to provide that yeah that, and that's cool so mm-hmm. what you get there and what's the biggest jump like what's the biggest thing that stands out to you you go to the first open run or tryout or uh whatever it mm-hmm. is and what wh- what do you see is like whoa okay this is definitely another level yeah for sure the speed and the physicality of the guys and it can't be said enough it's not just like there's two two three or four good players on the court like everybody else is there and, and they're men you know like and uh you you've and one of my teammates there was uh Bro- brody brody thiel who you you've had who you've talked to um he was he was like 25 or 26 at the time and i'm mm-hmm. sure that shook has mentioned it and jesse norris was also there who was 25 or 26 at the time too and i was like 18 man 
So like, yeah. it, it was kind of insane. Um, like all the stuff that like you do in the weight room, you're like, man, I got, I got to do more. But yeah, that was, that was probably the biggest, um, I would say jump in terms of competition wise, but also kind of like our team culture too. Like, um, they were one in 15 coming off, coming off that season, you know? And so you kind of got that sense where it's like, okay, like there's some things that need to be kind of reviewed here and, and looked at to see how we can build toward a, a winning culture. And so those were kind of like the two things, the two biggest things that I noticed right away. Interesting. I think that's one of the things a lot of people don't over that they overlook, right? And they think, oh, I'm a U sport, but the jump is just so big and you're dealing with literally grown men when you think about, you know, say Brody's like 25, but even the difference between 21 and 22 and you being mm-hmm. 18, right? Like that's just yeah. that's crazy, you know? So, or, and then, mm-hmm. so you have a good career, right? You win academic athlete of the year, you get your team captain one year, you hosted the, got an opportunity to host the nationals, like what was the overall experience like at Quest and what were the things that you took away from it that you're continuing to apply to life right now? Or what were the things that you learned that helped get you through those times, the ups and downs of being a, you know, a post-secondary athlete and, and just talk a little bit about that. Like the SEM program kind of tried to prep us for that as kind of tying it back to that as well. Life isn't just going to hand you things. You can't just expect things to be handed to you. I remember I don't know if you remember, but like I, I, I had a couple phone calls with you probably like maybe once or twice, like every, every month or whatever, just saying like, yo, it's tough. <laughs> Cause I was, mm-hmm. I was playing behind another like 25, 26 year old guard, um, Cartier French Tony, who, um, who is essentially like all, all Canadian caliber player. And I, I didn't know that it, like signing at quest that he was going to be there. Um, I thought I was going to kind of like compete and ultimately like as confident, like not to sound cocky, but like take the reins of the starting point guard. But here comes this guy who was essentially, yeah, all Canadian caliber. And I was just playing behind him, you know, like I felt like mm-hmm. I'm getting in the weight room as much as I can. I'm, <clears throat> I'm putting up extra shots, like outside of practice. Like nobody sees that stuff, man. And like I'm giving it my all competing as, as hard as I can and diving for loose balls and whatnot. But still, I, I'm not getting any burn. And so I, I kind of had to learn like, life isn't going to be handed to you. And just because you work hard, it doesn't necessarily mean that you deserve something. You know, um, sometimes it's like mm-hmm. people expect results. And the reality was like, yeah, he was a, he was a very good player. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie and say like I was better, but like he was, he was a better player than me. And so I, right. I definitely had to work through that. And but it ultimately like prepped me, maybe realize like like why I play the game and why I was there, and that was to get a degree and mm-hmm. and also like like basketball is meant to be played for for joy, you know. Like once you kind of take that part out of it, it just becomes a job, and like like do you enjoy it anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually ended up like going on a semester abroad, like after my second year, just because I was like, man, like I'm tired of this. Like I feel like I kind of need a break. Is basketball really for me? Just because, like, I feel like I did, I almost kind of deserve this, just because of all the work that I put in, and I'm not playing still. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was kind of in that shift that I realized, was like, man, like I really miss the game. You do it just because of these things. You're going to get a degree, and you play it just because you, you fell in love with it at a young age, and it's an it's an awesome opportunity. Like it's it's not mm-hmm. it's not something to be taken for granted or something that you feel entitled to. It's something that a few mm-hmm. only get to do. And so that really helped me and kind of prepped me to 
toward my next two years. And yeah, ultimately like a successful senior year. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge, especially in team sport, right? Because it's like when you think about it and you go back in your time, you're in high school, you're kind of the star or one of the stars. And there's guys behind you that are thinking like, oh man, I'm not getting any reward. I'm putting all this time in. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. post-secondary is obviously a whole, <coughs> a whole different beast, but like, yeah, Corbs, you didn't deserve to play. Sorry, man. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's obviously, you know, like, did you reflect about this that at all? Or was it just more like just from your competitive side, you're just like, whatever. And interesting that you took a gap year and, and did your traveling and came back. and. Mm-hmm. what was different when you came back? Did you have a clear mind or just appreciated it more? Or what, what was that like? Yeah, definitely appreciated it more. Like, I think I want to say like I devoted like half my time while I was there. Um, I traveled a lot, but I, I was like, man, like I, I got to be working out. Like I got I to be shooting hoops or whatever. But yeah, it, it like, it, it really doesn't set in until you, you take some time to just reflect on the experiences that you had, it allowed me to take a step back and just be like, man, like you're given like a blessed opportunity here to be able to play and just like have your schooling paid for. And this is, these are the goals that you set, you know, like what makes you think that like, okay, just because <laughs> you did, you did all these things that you deserve to play. Like, I don't know. It's just, I, it, it, I was able to kind of take it in, in the light of like, it's a privilege and it's just not to be taken for granted. It's a beautiful sport, man. And mm-hmm. it allowed for so many opportunities. So yeah, like I just learn and just it, learning to support and appreciate your teammates too. Right. Like just yeah. understand that everybody's trying to work towards the same common thing. And although yeah. you may not be getting the minutes that you want, um, you're still supporting the person then and staying ready for maybe a moment that'll come up for you. Exactly. It's, that's exactly yeah. That's I mean that's eloquently put. Like it's it's all about sacrificing to our the common goal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that 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 just all all the more kind of emphasized it for me. Awesome. And then now you know you've we'll just wrap up in a few more questions here, and then we'll get to the little bit of the speed round. But you have started to come back, and I know that you want to coach more with our program, but you're just light. Your life is just too busy right now, and. What are you seeing in young kids right now that you are looking forward to either changing or working on or helping develop or what, what in your time now that you're becoming an old dog, right? We're talking about eight years ago, you graduated from high school. What, what are you seeing in coaching that's good, bad in between? I guess the biggest thing with coaching that I, like when I think of like my purpose or like my, my mission with, with coaching is that like you want to instill kind of like you did or the whole program did for us and the, the people who have coached before me is, is the life lessons that you can take away from, from basketball and apply it to other aspects of your life. I want to be able to, to enforce that effectively because that's ultimately the goal. Like, I don't know, hoop dreams, it's cool to have them, but like that that's that's not necessarily what's what it's about if you if you're known for just how you were within the basketball community then you, you probably haven't done enough and so i guess like whatever lessons they may be whether that's to to compete or to be to self to be selfless or to sacrifice or whatever yeah i want to be able to enforce those things and i think the the awesome part about coaching is that you you kind of get to see the character development within the, the players that that we have um, 
and just like it, it, there's no better feeling there's no more of a priceless feeling than seeing somebody develop as a character and like be able to make sacrifices and like see kind of the lessons that you learn through the game um and i want to be able to kind of just pay it forward in that sense awesome because i feel like one of the things that's a fear for me is the high school game and where it goes from here and and how many mm-hmm. young people are willing to to give that time back and then now you're working towards your degree you know you've got your diploma in accounting you got your bachelor of arts and sciences and working towards that you know professional accountant thing and how's that going and what is that like and how is it is there anything that basketball has taught you now in your professional life and you know (laughs) especially when you started a place like kpmg you're talking about a role right i'm just assuming Mm -hmm. that you've started at the bottom of what they call the totem pole yeah how is that for the ego and what are you learning and trying to do so that you can work your way up i think one of the biggest things is just learning again how to work with different personalities and you you mentioned it in your podcast in your one of your last few episodes is just that like you you can't treat everybody the same it's kind of that challenge of learning how to to work with different people and then how to get through to different people i think that's like the biggest thing that i have learned through sport just the importance in being like being accountable and being a likable person and being able to communicate effectively like those are such it seems like it's something that's that yeah of course you're supposed to do but like not everybody has that skill as you like navigate through like whatever realm it is like throughout the corporate world like that's super important and often overlooked but yeah the i was i I feel like i can kind of implement that through through my experience with basketball that's cool man especially in your position, right? It's like some days you're just behind a computer. Other days you're maybe <laughs> on the phone and there's different different skill sets that you need for what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Corbs, any any questions for Denz other than roasting him or taking a shot at him because he's your boy? <laughs> sometimes I, really I just fire at Corbs. I think we talk. I just fire at Corbs just to make sure that he's awake sometimes. I'm wondering what he's doing <laughs> on the other end of that. Just on mute, kind of <laughs> waiting for the thing to be over. Yeah, I have a question for you, Mitch. That's cool, Dennis. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Curry. You have a question for me? Yeah, I have a question for both of you guys, actually. Yeah, this is our sure. show, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's up? You, you, how many times has this pod heard that laugh? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I was curious. Like, <laughs> do you guys ever, like, actually look back um, at your playing days? Or just, like, how was that transition from playing to non-playing? You know, like, do you ever have any, ever any feeling of regret or remorse or, or what is it? Well, do you want to start this one, Mitch? I was saving this for the mailbag because you emailed the podcast and asked oh, for a mailbag, but we can answer this right now. <laughs> no problem. Um, I've thought about this a lot in my time since playing because it was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I really had a hard time with was figuring out who I was after basketball. Um, I knew what I wanted to do for school. I knew what I wanted to do for work. But when, you know, you're playing at a certain level and you're used to being a part of something and whatever, in a corny way, getting attention for just being a basketball player and, you know, getting recognition or your names in the paper or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge identity of your life from from 16 till 22. 
23 and then trying yeah. to figure out who I was after that was hard. It was a tough thing for me. And I didn't realize it when I was going through it, kind of ruined a couple of relationships that I was in at that time. And not that I regret that, but because um, it was mutual, but I didn't I look back on it and I realized I just was kind of scared about the next phase of my life, right? I was like, okay, I'm going right. into education. I'm doing this. I just was like, still not totally sure who I am without basketball. And it's still, you know, you still take time. And now that that part has been figured out, I'm still trying to figure out who I am as a teacher, as a dad, as a husband, right? Like, I think that's part of right. the growing process is you're always looking back and reflecting on things. But when basketball is a huge part of your life, and when I say 16, I mean, just from a high level, you know, basketball was much like you and Corbin, just a young, young age, we were all involved in it. And then it's like, okay, like I can go to the court and play, but it's not what it was. So who am I now? And I've always thought about that. And in terms of regrets, like I don't regret anything. Um, I feel like there were years that I really maxed out my potential. I feel like there were years that I could have done more. Um, mm -hmm. But I get the opportunity to try to help young people learn from my own right. mistakes and they don't know my teaching and coaching is coming from that place. Right. Mm -hmm. I share that with them, but it's their own journey. And it's almost like now, and then, you know, when Eli gets older, my experiences and I could care less if he plays basketball, I'm hoping he's right. a shortstop for the Cubs, but, um, <laughs> way more money and way lower impact. But anyways, uh, yeah, I think I don't like the word regret. Cause I feel like if you say, yeah you regret something it's like you you intentionally or you know it's like it's just life yeah. and i think we all yeah. go through ups and downs and we all learn and grow so do i wish that i would have listened to doms and rumen and like trained with them a little more for sure right. uh was i still a second team all-star yeah i was Dom. <laughs> but, but i don't know maybe if i lifted in and that maybe i could have moved on to cis quicker or i would have been more ready you know like just there's so many different right. things and i think you just beat yourself up in the the cycle in your brain will never end. Um, right. So it's not regret. It's more just like, all right, this was my journey. I'm in a position now to help others with their journey. What can I share from that? And, and that's right. the big thing. If I keep that in and I don't, if I'm not vulnerable and I don't expose that, then how do those people grow? They're just going to stay in their own little thing. But if I can, you know, if I'm a mentor or someone that they look up to or at least feel like they should respect, and I share that story and they can grow from that. That's a long answer, right. but yeah. I give it a lot of thought and I continue to think about it. So it's not, like I said, it's not basketball anymore. It's like, all right, what does the last year look like as a family and how can I be better? So just all those things, right? I don't have the extensive life experience that you had to kind of look back on, but... Uh, sure you do, man. I would just say... What kind of answer is that? <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm being serious. What kind of answer is yeah, that? Yeah, seriously. Your your life experience. I, I, I'm getting there. I'm getting. Your life experience is your experience. It doesn't matter if Fair if enough. you didn't play high school basketball or post secondary basketball, whatever it is. Everybody's, and this is the point, and that's why I'm sorry to cut you off, but like that's the point of this podcast is it's a journey, right? So it's like. Mm -hmm. Your journey is not comparable to Denz's and Denz's isn't comparable to mine and mine's not comparable to yours because they're all different and they were all meant for us the way they were supposed to go. So stop being so hard on yourself, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
<laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. All yeah. right. Um, Your journey, man. It's- yeah. Like what you said. Like what you said. I don't have regrets. I mean, there are some things I wish I could have done differently. Um, I'll just say from going to grade 11, grade 12, uh, I think I just kind of accepted that I wasn't going to play. So I never really worked on my game. I just tried to do what I could do to help my other teammates. So I would you know, always try to rebound for Dan's or, or for Mikey or, or for the quote unquote starters. Right. And never really worked on my game as much because I'm like, yeah, what's the point? I'm not going to play, which is something that I probably shouldn't have had, but I just really accepted like, this is my role. I'm just going to do whatever I can to be a really good teammate. And could I have been a better basketball player? Sure. I know I've learned from that and try to translate into my, into, you know, as a coach now and trying to not let the kids be complacent with where they are and always trying to push them to be more than what they think they can be. Because I know I fell into that mistake. And just, again, like what you said, just knowing that, you know, there are times where I wasn't emotionally mature and, you know, I did things that I maybe I shouldn't have done, but like, I guess we're all learning. We're all trying to figure it out. And yeah, that's that's kind of my, my answer as well. How's that Denzel? Yeah, it was good. I always wanted to ask you that. Both of you guys that. Oh, appreciate it, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if you don't, if you don't, when you get older, you know, I tell the kids I teach all the time, if you tell me high school are the best years of your life, then as a teacher, we did something wrong. But if you don't look back on your life and not think about some things that you would have changed, then have you really lived? Like, to be totally honest, have right, you really right. lived? Have, you know, you've, you, that means right. you haven't made yourself vulnerable. You haven't stepped outside of your comfort zone. You haven't taken a risk and you've just stayed in your little pocket. And I think it's just a sad way to be Like you got to live and learn and grow. So does that answer that? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, man. Uh, We're going to do a little bit of rapid fire here at you. Um, Awesome. You and I obviously side chat a lot on WhatsApp. Um, (laughs) I know you're, I know you're fully into the last dance and all that stuff, but uh, (laughs) we'll just throw a few questions at you. Who was your favorite player growing up? Early on, it was definitely Baron Davis. Uh, he's the reason why I wore number five. The guy was just like, Ooh, he like had street ball and yeah. Okay. He had street ball. He was a competitor, of course, that one year. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just love the flair that he had. And, uh, um, you mean the we believe year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And that, also, like, yeah. Oh, when Denz was a Warriors fan, right? Okay, relax. Yeah, well, let's not about that. <laughs> no, he, he, even Charlotte, right? Like, he, he was phenomenal, yeah. man. He, I, I mean, one of the craziest highlights I remember he crossed somebody up and then dunked on your boy KG. But yeah, I just, lo- I just love this flair. <laughs> cool. And he was thick too. Yeah. And I mean, so he, didn't like really, the, he didn't really look like he could pull that off. And then he'd come down yeah. and he was like, Boop, and you're like, Holy yeah, exactly. smokes. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's one thing that nobody knows or would guess about you? Would guess about me? It, wow. That nobody knows. I sent you all these. You just didn't read it. <laughs> you've, been listen, you've been listening to the other. You've been listening to the other podcasts. I haven't asked this one yet. So yeah, remix. yeah, that's, that's what I figured. Um, one thing that people don't know, you're probably gonna put me on the spot here, but I mean, one of the reasons did. why I, lo- yeah. <laughs> well, one. I mean, after I answer this, but one of the reasons why I used to love 
I love like hip hop culture and like growing up, like I had a couple friends in elementary school. We'd always try to freestyle, so that's why uh, I have a big <laughs> affinity for guys like Harry Mack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and Kyle so, Matting singing on YouTube is not <laughs> qualify as freestyle, right? Um, Just yeah. for the record, uh, who's the greatest player here. of all time? Oh, Michael Jordan. That's that's easy. <laughs> Um, are we going to talk about the last dance here? I just want to say something. I mean, like with with the episodes that we that this guy is trying to overtake our podcast, Corbin. <laughs> He's asking questions and telling us what we should talk about. No, no. I just want to. I just want to. Fifty nine minutes and nineteen yeah. seconds, and he's still trying to bring up topics. <laughs> Go ahead, Denzel. Okay, fair enough. Um, no, I just. I mean, six six for six, no game sevens. Um, Defensive player of the year. And with the last answer, we're going to see here, like, just the true essence of a competitor. And, and like, a quote really rings in my mind that one of my assistant coaches in university said, he was like, if you're, if you tell me you're a competitor, you're not just a competitor on the court. Like, you're a competitor in everything else that you do. And that guy, like, competed in everything, you know, including gambling. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, ketchup on macaroni. Yes. <laughs> goodness um, we should ask these questions at the start and then that'll give us an idea of how the podcast is going to go corbs and then we know if we could keep it short or extend yeah. it at all all right hey but, you, you don't get to explain your answer it is what it yeah, is all right fine <laughs> what's spinning on your spotify youtube whatever right now what are you listening to Ooh, snow allegra she's she's dope is what is that a movie on netflix <laughs> I've sent you some of her stuff before. She's beautiful and she has an angelic voice. Snow Allegra? Yes. Snow Allegra. This is, I gotta look this, this up. This is going to appeal to the younger crowd. So, wow. you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> All right. The greatest chip out there. Man, I want to say all dressed ruffles. Fair answer. Fair so answer. Good. Good chip. So good. Not if you're Corbin because he only eats one chip. <laughs> Such a bizarre human. I said I buy one chip. <laughs> Such a bizarre human being. <laughs> I know you're into hip hop. Who are some of the greatest rappers in your mind? Top five. Top five, no debating. Kendrick and Cole, for sure. Wow. Kendrick yeah. Lamar and J. Cole are the top five rappers all time? <laughs> yes. Yes, okay. I would have to say. Yeah. Um, and like, I would put. I want to say Kanye, but it, it hurts me to say that just because of his recent work. And then yeah. I'll put I'll put Common up there, and then I'll have to say Biggie. Wow, you can really tell the age of our guests. <laughs> Holy smokes! Wow, can't wait for the listeners to hear that list. You're gonna get fed on. Two more questions before we let you go, and yeah. thank you for your time. The greatest player you've played against or with whatever maybe well, someone that you didn't even play against or that you saw live on your provincial team moments or just anyone that stands out right well we've already mentioned a couple of guys corner morgan but i mean he wasn't that player that he was at that age pam Smythe as well um but in terms of guys that i played against um mara Klassen, who is now playing pro in uh in europe and ended up going down naia for four years but he's making a pretty good career there the guy could just he was an absolute competitor as well um and then brody greg mm -hmm. who played mm -hmm. at uh 
Langara. He was just like a walking triple-double, and nobody really knows that name, but he was very underrated. Um, there were rumors that he was going to go to Ottawa after the first year that he played against him, and Ottawa was a good program. Um, but yeah, I would say those two guys. Nice. Those are those are two ones that maybe people don't... Brody Gregg, the one year they won the Nationals, was a guy on a different level for sure. Yeah. And then last question ends up being something that you just asked us, but if you could do it all again, you would. This threw me off guard when you guys asked him this, but I would probably say um, somewhere along the lines of his answer where not necessarily work harder, but learn how to work smarter um, and also maybe take more risks. Just because like, again, like I've mentioned, I felt like I took so many shots, but like I, I put up shots and practiced so many shots, but never actually had the confidence to like pull it off. Not necessarily confidence, but felt like within my role in the team, um, I felt like it wasn't needed of me, but at, there were times where I definitely felt like, man, I should be shooting a little bit more, but yeah, work, working Maybe smarter. Your high, school coach was, your high school coach was too <laughs> controlling and wouldn't let you release it. <laughs> No, I wouldn't attribute <laughs> that. I would say it's. I actually felt the same thing. too. I actually felt the same looking at your career. I wish I would have um, at least encouraged you to look for your shot a little more. But point guard instincts and yeah. unselfish guys, right. kind of a natural thing for sure. Anything else you want to add before we let you go? Yeah, I want to say thank you for having me on. And I was super excited about the project here when, again, hearing about this, like I always brag about our team. And our whole program, especially you as a coach, um, like the biggest kind of takeaway that I took from high school was it wasn't necessarily the classes. Like when I look back on it, that leadership class was phenomenal, man. Like there's so many like things about resilience and grit and confidence that I definitely take and apply with me like everywhere that I go in my life right now. So yeah, that, I guess that's the one thing that I, I want to say. And thank you guys, man. You guys are. Amazing. I love you too. Appreciate it. And before we go, uh, I do want to say like, uh, Des and I always talk off the air and uh, I always, we always roast each other back and forth. But uh, when he, when he was in grade 12, he would would always make me feel like I was important to the team, even though, you know, I really wasn't. And (laughs) that's something I've always appreciated. (laughs) You're important to the team, man. I know we laugh about that. You're important to the team. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I was the 15th guy, right? And he was always on me. He, you know, he, that's something I've always respected about him. And the fact that we're, we're friends to this day, you know, mm-hmm. I have so much respect for you as a leader and as a person. And, uh, and you, you deserve all the good things that, that has happened to you in your life. So, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say that appreciate on the record. Wow. On the yeah, record. We, appreciate it, buddy. Do you, do you guys need some Kleenex or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I owe I owe you a beer, I think, bud. I think that's a different podcast. Yeah, hey. <laughs> it's true though, man. We appreciate having you. You're one of my favorite players I've ever coached, and obviously holds you in high regard. and And look forward to you getting to a point in your life where you can be more involved with our program. And excited for what holds what the future holds for you. And love your you and your family, the great people. And there's a reason you are who you are. And uh, and I think you're fully aware of that. So. Thanks for being a part of this and thanks for being one of the early ones on. And, and we hope that uh, this does grow the way you think it will. And uh, thanks so much, Dens. Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Everyone be well. That's episode five. 
Next up, we are going to have the mailbag episode. Can't wait for you to hear that. Thank you to our sponsor, Good Lad, and everyone be well, take care, stay healthy, and look out for each other. 